Take your Bibles, if you would, while you are turning there, and we'll be in two different passages of Scripture here in just a few moments, looking forward to what the Lord has for us. It's been a good day, hasn't it? And uh, what a blessing, what a blessing. The Bible goes on, a couple of different passages of Scripture we're going to look at to encourage us concerning uh, what I would consider this sanctification work within our lives. I think in the Christian life, one of the things we struggle with sometimes is is truly dying to self for the Lord to truly have his perfect will and perfect work accomplished within our lives. Uh, we have so many goals and ambitions that we think we can take control of our own lives and do this and that. And the Lord reminds us through some of the Psalms, reminds us through some of even Paul's life and others in Scripture that at the end of our day, our life is not our own. Uh, we don't get to make those decisions, and our life just like that can be taken from us. In Psalm 51, the Bible goes on and reminds us of some things concerning how personal our life is to ourselves and how personal it is to the Lord. As he says, have mercy upon me. Notice these words as he says, me. O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. He goes on all throughout Psalm 51. And he begins to use these words such as me and my and I and thee and thy and thou all throughout this portion of Scripture. The entire psalm becomes one of how personal God is and how personal we are to certain decisions we make. And he goes on in verse number 10, after he's just said, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. In verse number 10, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And as you come to Psalm 51, you see these words, Create in me a clean heart, O God. As you come to Psalm 119, as we were just making reference to verse number 65 here in just a moment. Psalm 119, verse number 65, the psalmist begins to reveal the Lord's faithfulness to us. But in the midst of this psalm, and we're going to go all the way back to Psalm 15 here in just a little while, you're going to see that the psalmist begins to make some points that the Lord brought to my attention this morning as I listened to Brother Brown in Psalm 27. But he says, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, that word afflicted in the statement before I was afflicted speaks of being humbled, speaks of being humiliated. So notice what he says here. Before I was afflicted, before I was humiliated, before I was humbled, I went astray. Aren't you thankful that the Lord knows how to get his people's attention? That he knows what needs to take place to bring us from that place where we were astray. But he goes on and says, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Here in a few moments, we're going to travel back to Psalm 15. And as you come to Psalm 15, you're going to see some truths that come together concerning these two different Psalms and really uh, some things you see throughout the Psalms. But this evening, you might have come to the house of God and you have maybe some questions. 
Maybe you're dealing with some pain. Maybe you're dealing with some hurt. Maybe you have some uh, discouragement. Maybe you have some disappointments. Maybe you have some doubt concerning some things. Maybe you have some bitterness or anger. And you see everything within the life that we live, God's Word deals with. All the emotions that you've brought into the house of God, God's Word deals with. All of the pain that you're facing right this very moment, God's Word has the comfort that you need. All of the the bitterness that you're holding towards someone or something, God's Word deals with. And the truth of the matter is, as you begin to think about this summer, I ask you this question once again. What do you have in store or what is your goal and desire for this summer? A couple of weeks ago, as we made some references and looked at some pastor scripture, I pray that your goal this summer is not just to kind of make it on through and say, well, I'm just really trying to get through the summer. We'll see when we get to August, when everything kind of kicks back in. I remember listening to a message from Brother Pope in in Bible college, and I've heard him preach it in other places, but he began to share an illustration and, and began to talk about this not being a time to go wobbly, is what he said. And what he was dealing with is he was dealing with the, the truth that sometimes in life we, we begin to get maybe under the pressure of life or we get discouraged or we get angry or we get bitter or we get uh, to where we're hurt and all of a sudden we just say, you know what, I'm going to take a season off. You find me in Scripture where God's Word tells us, hey, child of God, here is a season. You just take this time to yourself. You don't worry about living the Christian life right now. I don't believe you'll find it. I don't believe you'll find as you search the pages of God's word where the Lord begins to say, hey, you just stop living the Christian life. I'll, I'll remind you when it's time to live it again. No. As a matter of fact, you study the life of Paul. You study the life of uh, Joseph. You study the life of some of the apostles and the disciples and some individuals through Scripture. You'll find that it wasn't always easy, but God's grace allowed them to continue to press on. As you think about Scripture, you think about some of the things that take place in Psalm 51 as he begins to make reference in those these, the thous, the eyes, the me's, the mine, as he begins to personalize those things. And this evening, you might have brought some pain and hurt and you might have brought some burdens with you to the house of God this evening. Can I share with you the pain that you're facing, the, the hurt that you're experiencing, the burdens that you're carrying? None of those things give you reason to quit on God. As a matter of fact, the word of God says in Psalm 143, verse number seven, he healed the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. In Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is nine of them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. You say, yeah, you just don't understand the kind of pain that I'm facing or the, the hurt that I'm experiencing. You don't understand that the burdens that I'm carrying, I don't. But go to me or go to scripture in Psalm 55 and you'll find that he says in verse 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. You didn't come to the house of God and say, hey, pastor, I have a burden. I need you to sustain me because I can't sustain you. But aren't you thankful we serve a God who can? The burdens that you're carrying, the Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. You say, I've brought hurt into the house of God. I've brought burdens. I've brought pain. And so this summer, I'm going to take it off. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Here in a few minutes, you're going to see in this portion of scripture that the Lord begins to shed some light through the psalmist on some things that we need to ask the Lord to do tonight. You say, I brought some bitterness and anger. Well, it's easy. Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32 clears that up. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. Very plain and simple. 
And you say, oh, well, you just don't understand. Well, James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. See, every issue of life, God's word deals with. You brought questions to the house of God. You brought uh, some confusion and doubts. Well, the word of God clarifies these things in Psalm 10, verse number one. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? Habakkuk 1, 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Even out uh, unto thee of violence and wilt not save. And as you continue reading those passages as they're asking those questions, especially in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk's burden is heavy. His tears are real. He's got questions. He's got, uh, he's got some doubts. He's got some wondering going on. As you go to the end of the book of Habakkuk, and notice what he does. He begins says, though all of this is going on, though this happens and this happens and it gets worse and worse and worse, Lord, you're still good. You're still faithful. You're still worthy to be praised. And so as you come through the scriptures, you find some things in Psalm 119, verse 65 on down that I want to encourage you to ask the Lord tonight. Because this summer is not a summer where you say, you know what, it's 2023. Man, 2020 was tough. 2021, we were trying to get back at it and we missed out on so many opportunities. And 2022, it was kind of a, a busy summer with the church and everything we had going on. And so 2023, we just need to rest and stop and don't do anything. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Notice what he says in Psalm 119, verse 65. Once again, as you read this portion of scripture, you come to realize that he says, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord. According unto thy word. Notice this statement again in verse 65. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant. As you make observations concerning this statement, and specifically the word well here, reminds us that the Lord has made no mistakes within our lives. Within each and every single one of our lives, as we yield our lives to the Lord, we come to realize three things in this passage of Scripture. Number one, you ought to pray and ask the Lord to continue to shape you. What does that look like? What does that mean? You see, our, our viewpoint or our, our mind begins to process things and we say, Lord, we want you to, to conform us and make us and move us and help us to become the Christian you saved us to be. And we think that looks a certain way. We think that looks like just being in the house of God on a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening and a Wednesday and serving in certain ministries. And we say, by doing all that, I will then become the Christian the Lord saved me to be. But you begin to realize that's not all reality at all. You see, some of the greatest trials you will ever face are the things that are going to mold you into the Christian that you are today. Some of the greatest challenges you will ever face are some of the, the greatest times in your life when you will draw nigh unto the Lord and He will draw nigh to you and you'll look back and you'll say, I wasn't thankful in the midst of the trial, but then all of a sudden the Lord began to reveal His faithfulness in the trial and I look back at that time of my life and it's weird to say, but I'm thankful for. Why? Because in the midst of all of that, God began to shape you. He began to help you to realize, hey, those convictions you keep saying you have, are they real? Because if they're not, we need to shape those convictions. Hey, all of those things that you're doing and all of those decisions that you're making, are you doing them for me or are you doing them because it looks good to the crowd? Because if you're not doing it for me and you're not real in your Christian life, and you're not allowing me to really conform those things and change those things and challenge you, then why are you even doing them? You see, we've asked this question before, and we continue to ask, why do you do what you do in the Christian life? 
Young people this evening, are they only sitting in the house of God because their parents told them to come to the house of God? Do they truly desire to be in the house of God? As they get out of the home, why are they going to stay plugged into the house of God? As they make decisions, why are they making those decisions? They ought to become personal. Right now, I've got a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a one-year-old. They don't have a choice in coming to the house of God. Guess what? Every single Sunday, every single uh, Wednesday, and any other time we're up at the house of God, we say, hey, get in, the ch- or get in the vehicle, we're going to the church. They don't have a decision to make in that. But I pray that there will come a day when my children move out of the house that they won't have to have daddy say, hey, it's time to go to church. That they'll wake up on a Sunday morning as excited as they were as children and say, hey, we get to go to church. And that as my children get out of school, uh, and right now, every single Wednesday, whenever Jackson would get out of school, he'd say, hey, Dad, what's the, what do we have going on tonight? I'd say, we have church. He'd say, okay, is it Wednesday night church or is it Sunday? I said, well, what's today? <laughs> you know? He said, oh, okay, so I get to go with my class on, on Wednesday. Yes, you do. Excited to be at church on a Wednesday evening. I pray that as they leave the home, they begin to make those decisions and desire it themselves. And I look back in my own life, and there are some times whenever I begin to realize this statement, thou hast dealt well with thy servant. See, as I make that statement, thou hast dealt well with thy servant, you ever question some things God's done in your life? Don't lie. You ever been wondering, Lord, this doesn't make sense. Why are you allowing this? You see, your word says thou hast dealt well with thy servant, but I don't see this being something that's well. You want to know why we oftentimes don't see those things within our lives as well? Because we can't fathom the eternal work that God's doing on the other end. We can't comprehend it. We look at it and we say, no, it's not good at all. But on the other end, the Lord's saying, just give it some time. You'll realize here soon that it is good. That I don't make any mistakes. That I do truly do all things well. And so as you come to verse number 65, he says, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Verse 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Again, the word afflicted, speaking of being humiliated, being humbled, if you would. And those times within our lives are good things. I remember growing up and there were times whenever you would think you were the stuff, right? Right, Jared? You think you're the stuff. You step onto a ball field, you step onto a basketball court, you step into a classroom and you think, I'm the best in this room, I'm the best on this court. And it's not fun being humbled, is it? It's not fun whenever you step out onto the basketball court and you think, oh, there's not a soul that can guard me. And then you realize I have no business being out here. You say, this isn't fun. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. But then there comes a time whenever you get humility so uh, humiliated so often that one of two things begin to take place. Either you quit or you get determined to get better. You see, in the Christian life, there are so many times in our lives where we come to a realization after we think so highly of ourselves and the Lord continues to have to remind us, hey, you're nothing without me. Let me just knock you down here. Let me, let me humble you here. And then you go through the Christian life. You think, oh, I've been through this trial before. I, I've got this. And the Lord says, let me humble you again. And then you come to the realization someday. A true realization. Lord, all those times that I was afflicted, it truly was good for me. I needed those times. I needed those times whenever I was humbled. I needed those times whenever I was humiliated in those moments. 
And some of you have shared testimonies with me. I remember there was a, an individual, this was years ago, I was at a preacher's meeting. And uh, the preacher got up and a little bit of arrogancy creeped up into the pulpit while he was preaching. And all of a sudden, the voice just faded on him. And I remember as he regathered himself, he began to acknowledge that and began to acknowledge, you know what, that was the Lord getting my attention. Because I thought too highly of myself as I entered into the pulpit. And all of a sudden, the Lord began to get his attention in that moment. I remember sitting there in the, the auditorium and thinking, you know what, may that never happen to me. Because that, that I can imagine that being humiliating. And within our lives, though, those things that humble us, they begin to teach us. And this statement, thou hast dealt well with thy servant, is a reality. And so you ought to ask the Lord to shape you this summer. Number two, notice with me what he says in verse number 66. Teach me. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. You see, as you come to the second thing, understanding we ought to desire this summer that the Lord would teach us some things. I was having a conversation with an older individual a couple of days ago, and we were just talking in general. This was probably a week or so ago, and this is a common thing that you begin to have conversations at times with individuals that you you never stop learning. There's always teaching moments, always learning times. I think about my, my high school basketball coach and for years, and I believe he's still doing this every semester, he enrolls and he begins to take a college course. He's got degree after degree after degree because he's in his late seventies, early eighties, and he's still taking college courses because he wants to keep his mind sharp and he wants to continue to learn. I remember him sharing that with us and beginning to just kind of elaborate that he wanted to continuously learn. In the Christian life, you ought to desire that the Lord would continuously teach you. As he says right here, teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I believe thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. There's some things that you ought to ask the Lord to teach you this summer. You ought to ask the Lord to teach you his ways. Not your ways, because your ways are not going to get you anywhere. But I'll ask the Lord, Lord, teach me your ways. The Bible says in Psalm 25, verse number 4, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. You ought to ask the Lord to show you his will. Teach you his will. Because sometimes we begin to make decision after decision after decision with no thought to what God's will truly is for our lives. You say, oh, well, it sounds good and it looks good, so it must be good. No. Just because it sounds good, looks good, doesn't mean it's always good. It doesn't mean that it's God's will for your life. I shared this illustration with our Sunday school class and I uh, might have shared it here, but we've seen a... a slow creep in many churches concerning that philosophy of ministry. That if it looks good, sounds good, that God will bless them. That's not always the truth. You see, God's will for my life is to pastor Gateway Baptist Church. Right this very moment, I could say, hey, I'm resigning from Gateway Baptist Church. I'm going to go and I'm going to go on the mission field. It looks good. It's it, There's a need there. It sounds good. And you would say, oh, man, we're going to miss you. And then I get on the mission field. I realize that wasn't God's will. God's will was here. I learned that lesson early on whenever I took the step of faith to uh, say, Lord, I, my heart was in, in Arizona and you're, you're directing me here and you're giving me a heart for here. But what about Arizona? And Lord began to remind me a few months later, I've got Arizona taken care of. My will for you is here. 
But I could have said, oh, but it looks good and it sounds good. It must be good. No, no, no. God says that's not how you approach things. Don't approach things and say it looks good, sounds good, it must be good. No. In Psalm 143, verse 10, teach me to do thy will. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. So this summer, you ought to pray, Lord, teach me and show me your will. You ought to ask the Lord to teach you his word. Psalm 119, verse 12, blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. You know, one of the things that's so sad about the Christian life is many of us know the word of God. We don't live the word of God. It's a sad reality in the Christian life. I have conversations with people left and right, uh, whether it's in the community, whether it's just random people you'll start a conversation with and they'll start quoting scripture, or, or whether it's just into uh, people that you're close to, family members, friends, whatever. And we know the word of God, but there's a difference in knowing it and doing it, right? That's why James addresses that. And hey, stop being hearers and be hearers and doers also. And may you ask this summer for the Lord to teach you his ways, his will, his word. And here's the hard one. Your failures. Notice what he says again in verse 67. Before I was afflicted, before I was humble, before I was humiliated, before I had gone through all this, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Acknowledging our failures is not something that is fun nor enjoyable. You know, I laugh about it, and this is a great illustration. The other night, we were sitting in in our uh, with my parents, and we were talking, and we were talking about family, and the the conversation came up about one of my my cousins, and this is every every parent's worst nightmare. But my mom had said that. A cousin of mine was a certain age, and I said, no, I think she's 30. And so she texted my sister, said, how old is Sam? And my sister texted back and said, she's 30. And my mom texted back and said, oh, I just had to tell Josh she was right. That's every parent's worst nightmare, having to tell your children that you were wrong. Uh, and you think that that's, a, that's an easy one. That's not a hard one at all. But when you have to truly acknowledge some failures in your life, you don't want to do it. Notice what Job says in verse number 24 of chapter 6. Teach me and I will hold my tongue and cause me to understand wherein I have erred. One of the hardest things in the Christian life sometimes is to acknowledge what's happened here. Lord, what have I done? So this summer you ought to ask the Lord to teach you those things so you can grow in your walk. You see, failures do not define us. What we do with those failures define us. You begin to, to stick your head into the sand, all of a sudden it gets worse and worse and worse. But as you acknowledge those failures, and the Lord says, okay, I can, I can build upon this. I can show you some things. That, you know why? Because many of the failures in life, God is going to take those failures and use them for good as we have conversations with other people. Let's just say in some area of the tongue, let's just say I, I struggle with my tongue and I'm, I'm constantly gossiping or backbiting or, or talking and all of a sudden I learn a hard lesson about how that hurts others and it hurts my testimony. And let's just say Jared is having the same struggle and I go to him and I say, listen, you don't want to go down this path. You want to know why? Because I've been down that path. And oh, it's not a good path. It's a path that is going to ruin your testimony. It's a path that's going to cause you to lose some friendship. It's a path that you don't want to go down. And I'm able to use that failure to make sure he doesn't make the same mistake. Acknowledging those failures. You say, this summer I want the Lord to show me some things. I want him to really deal with shaping me and to teach me. And number three, notice what he says in verse number 67 again. 
On down, he says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Number three, we see that we ought to ask the Lord to show us some things. As you think about David Livingston, I believe it was a powerful testimony concerning his life. Many of you know, if you don't know David Livingston, I encourage you to go and study his life. But when he started his journey, it is said that he had three backpacks weighing about 180 pounds. As he began to take the 300 mile mark, he began to start getting rid of some of these books. Because after walking and traveling for 300 miles, carrying 180 pounds worth of books, traveling with those books and taking those books, he began to say, some of these are not necessary until he only had one book. And that book was the Word of God. He said, all those other books, while those books might have been good, they're not great. I don't need them to live my life. And he made this statement. He said, all of these books were great books, but not one book holds much higher value than the rest. And that book shall never leave me. It is the Word of God. You see, as you dig through the Word of God, you begin to ask the Lord to shape you. Oh, Lord, help me to become the child of God and the Christian you saved me to be. But Lord, as you begin to shape me, may it be through those teaching moments. Lord, it's not always going to be pleasant. It's not always going to be enjoyable. But Lord, teach me some things and show me some things through your Word. So go with me for just a moment to Psalm 15. I want you to understand this this evening because this summer is a crucial summer. I believe the Lord desires to do great things within our lives, but I want you to notice this because it's a busy summer. Many of you are serving in great capacity, and notice what he says in verse number 1 of Psalm 15. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? A question is asked here. And in verse number two on down, he begins to give an answer. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He goes on in verse number three on down and begins to deal with the tongue and some things like that. And we're not going to deal with that this evening for sake of time. But I want to draw your attention to something that is extremely powerful in verse number two. Because within the Christian life, one of the things that we're falling into the trap of believing is that we are placing more of an emphasis on what we do and not on who we are. And notice what he says in verse number two, because in verse number two, he doesn't deal with your works first, because you see, as you serve in the local church, that is a great thing. But let me put it this way. If you're a phony, it doesn't matter. I've fooled the church. That's fine. But you haven't fooled the one who actually matters, the Lord himself. And he says right here in verse number two, he that walketh uprightly. This is speaking of your life, and as you study the Word of God, I want to draw your attention to understanding that this summer, it is not what you do and only what you do, but who are you this summer? And it's a great thing. You could end the summer and you could say, oh, I served in the VBS and I served in the youth conference and I served in the Sunday school hour and I went out soul winning. I did all of these things, and that is great that you did those things. But can I share with you, there's far more joy at the end of the summer while you do those things and you ought to do those things and you need to do those things. I believe it. 
There's far more joy at the end of the summer if you were to say, I grew closer to the Lord this summer than any other summer within my life. I began to study God's Word and understood that He is holy and I ought to be holy. I opened the Word of God every single day and I began to realize the importance of drawing closer to the Lord in the matter of prayer and and studying God's Word and understanding His love for me and His compassion for me and all the grace that He has given me, all the mercy that He has given me. At the end of the summer, and coming to the end of the summer and saying, this summer was a summer that God made a difference in my life, not because of the ministries I served in, but because I began to realize just how wonderful He truly is and who my God is and how wonderful He has worked in my life and the grace that He has given in my life. And so He goes on in verse number 2 and He says, He walketh uprightly. You see, it is proven within our lives that the closer you draw to the Lord, the more you want to do for the Lord because you love Him. You desire to. As you think about the walk within our lives, in our walk, if you would, there's much that the Word of God has to say about that. In Second Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, walking in such a way that it's consecrated. The Bible says in Second Corinthians 5.7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Walk confidently. Don't, don't only serve the Lord if you see Him blessing. Serve Him regardless of the blessing. Galatians 5.16 This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of flesh. Walk in such a way that is controlled and yielded to the Lord. James 4.8 Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Walk in a consistent manner. I believe every single one of us would acknowledge that one of the biggest pet peeves in many people's lives is inconsistency. You can't stand one way to be uh, accurate on Monday and Tuesday for it not to be that way. You like for the same thing to be consistent. My children play and and, uh, my son, we stuck Holly in uh, baseball for one year and realized that she doesn't have a future in baseball. And so we told her she'd never play again. And, uh, but Jackson does, and, and th- this summer, and one of the things you know is to be true that you want the umpiring to be consistent. You can't stand when the strike zone and the inning number one is a tight strike zone, and then inning number two is a wide strike zone. You're thinking, what in the world? I can't, I can't, my pitcher can't, can't throw a strike because he doesn't know where the strike zone is. And in life, you like for the things that, that you're trying to get information on to be consistent. Well, in the Christian life, you ought to desire to be consistent in your walk. We are not to be double-minded people. But far too often we are. Ephesians 5.15, see then that you walk circumspectly, that's speaking carefully, exactly, diligently, not as fools, but as wise, walking cautiously. And then the final thing, I believe, is the hardest for us many times. Brother Brown touched on it. Ephesians 5, 2, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Walk in a compassionate way. You know what's one of the hardest things in life? Loving the unlovable. Loving people. Why? Because people get on your nerves, right? They bug you. You ever made a phone call and you're trying to have a conversation on the other end? You can't understand what the person is saying and you're getting annoyed with them, right? You ever been in a grocery store and you're, you're just trying to get out of there and someone starts a conversation, you're not in the mood to have a conversation, but they're keeping the conversation. You're thinking, I just need you to check me out. 
we get annoyed. Why? Because oftentimes we're not compassionate people. Someone's going through something, and instead of offering some, some just encouragement, we say, well, you got yourself in that mess. The Word of God is very clear about loving people. In Ephesians 5, 2 again, walk in love. You know, it's much easier to walk in love if you know the God of love. And get along with Him and allow Him to make an impact on your life. This summer, can I encourage you, is not a time for you to say, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines. No, this summer, may it be a summer where we get active in the work of the Lord. That's, that's great. But may it be a summer where we draw nigh to the Lord so He can draw nigh to us and really make a difference in our lives. At the end of the summer, would you, could you imagine what a blessing it would be if every single church member said, Wow. I'm thankful for the VBS. I'm thankful for the junior camps, the teen camps, the conferences, everything that's been taking place. And those are wonderful. But I'm thankful for my God more now than I've ever been. Because I got in that book and I got along with my God and got to know truly who He is and how wonderful He is. Could you imagine the blessing that would be? So I encourage you and I challenge you this summer. Ask the Lord to shape you, to teach you, and to show you some things. And may it be the most profitable summer you've ever experienced. Lord, we do thank you tonight. Lord, we come to you rejoicing in how wonderful you've been today. Lord, how wonderful you have always been. And how wonderful you will always be. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the surety of your word. We thank you for truth alone. And Lord, sometimes as we get into the Word of God, it might convict us, it might challenge us, it might humble us. But Lord, we need it. And tonight, Lord, we're asking that you would shape us, that you would teach us, and that you would show us. Lord, this summer, as we head into the summer, may it be the most profitable summer, not from a work standpoint, but very simply, just from our walk. May we walk with you. As the hymn goes on to say that I walked with him and I talked with him. May that be our testimony. That on a daily basis, we did those things. Help us tonight, Lord, and we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray.